The blue surge keeps on rolling. The Bombers wreak havoc at Marvel. Nick Dacos, his Brownlow to lose. And the Suns, Stuart Dew's reign over, is dimmer next. Welcome to the Footy Podcast. I'm Will Hogan. Today on the show, we chat all things at the Suns, Dew and what's next with John Ralph, plus the AFLW stalemate saga with Lauren Wood. Let's get into it with Ralphie. Now we're joined by John Ralph. Ralphie, big day at the Suns this morning. What's your take? Well, this is a fairly predictable story that Stuart Jew has been sacked after his sons were seven and nine. I think the only curveball here is that you know, quite clearly the you know, loose lips that allowed all the speculation of last week. Um, without that, I think the club would have still got to this position where their chairman, Bob East, returned from overseas and they made a decision. I think they were really explicit in their press conference. We feel like we're off the pace. But they stuffed it up as Gold Coast has stuffed up so many of their decisions before because they allowed the, um, yeah, the leaks. You know, we wrote last week that you know he was coaching for his job. Carolyn Wilson went further and suggested that you know he would be sacked. So if that hadn't happened, well, you know, Mark Evans doesn't have to do that press conference last week where he you know uses those weasel word, words, the old full support of the board. And if that doesn't happen, well, we get to this situation now. They sack him. He's upset. They pretend to be shocked but we move on quickly. So it's another massive own goal from Gold Coast. As Robbo wrote, you know, there were rats in the ranks, you know, they apologised. But that's what happens at football clubs when they know that the coach isn't really the man um, and they just can't um, not answer that call. So extending Stuart Jew last year was a, a massive leap of faith. Yeah. And some people will say he's been really hard done by. But they didn't want to um, break even again. They didn't want to uh, just be a mediocre club. So when they made that calculation about whether he's their man, they weren't closer to finals. Their percentage wasn't better. As we wrote last week, the size of the defeats, I think six or seven defeats mm-hmm. of six goals or more, seven goals or more, they weren't taking bigger scalps. They weren't getting closer to the likes of um, Collingwood. They weren't seeing massive improvement across the list. So it's a really good list. It's got so many young stars. I would say Charlie, Ball- Charlie Ballard's improved. He's in all Australian calculations. Yep. Mal Rose's got a better chance there with um, uh, with Isaac Rankin gone. Yep. I think Mac Andrews shown some signs. But who else would you say has you know taken that massive step jump at you know which we we've seen at other clubs that you know that um, that shows that that the club is on the right track. Yeah, I think that on face value and on paper their list is really exciting. But clearly, from a win loss point of view, it just hasn't translated. The, the interesting thing for me, Ralph, you mentioned they re-signed them last year. They re-signed you. Why didn't they go after Alistair Clarkson when they couldn't have when this year it looks like, and we'll get to him, but they might go after Damien Hardwick? Yeah, it's a really good question. I don't know the specific answer. I think it's because they did believe that there was that Stuart Jew could still be something special. So I asked them last week, I said, you've sacked a few coaches. And they said, well, we haven't sacked many, you know, mm. given, you know, I think it was five years to, um, uh, five years to Guy McKenna, you know, similar time um, to Rodney Eade. So uh, and their point was, well, Carlton sacked more coaches than we have. Now, it's not a great you know, comparative point, you know, who's sacked more coaches <laughs> in the quickest spa- uh, space of time. My point is they weren't judging him on breaking even from 2022. And, and I think he was aware of that. We need you to play finals. Yes, we've given you a contract, but it is loaded, loaded with um, incentives and more to the point without clauses. So at, at the worst case, they, they pay him at 300 grand. Let's talk about finals clauses and whether they pay him at even less than that. He's going to be absolutely filthy. He feels like um, Wayne Campbell, his footy boss, was in Sydney too much with his family. Wayne Campbell feels like he was on his days off. You're allowed to visit your family. He feels like he was sold a pup. You're, we're a million bucks over the salary cap when you arrive. And when he got there, it was actually 2.5 million bucks over the cap if they didn't make the kind of changes they did. So he would feel that, that, that um, he was set up to fail. And yet when they gave him that contract last year, they had um, Ben King coming back. 
he didn't know that he was going to have a meniscus injury to his star player in Tuuk Miller. I think we would all believe, though, that this is an elite list. Yes, with some gaps in play. And unfortunately, it's a really ruthless business. And um, and when they saw that they could secure you know a better coach than Stuart Jew, they did what they did today. So Mark Evans has spoken in on the record that he has not contacted Paul Connors, Damien Hardwick's manager, yep. or Damien Hardwick. Now this decision's been made. What does Mark Evans do from here? So he, well, potentially puts together a panel with internal ex- and internal exports. What he probably should do is just go to a few of the player managers out there. So Liam Pickering, Pickering who uh, manages uh, Chris Scott, his yep. new manager. Paul Connors, who manages um, Stuart Jew, uh, who manages uh, Damien Hardwick. And probably Peter Blucher, who manages um, Ken Hinckley. Um, what's the point of having this full process when no one believes they're going to run a full mm. process? Um so Damien Hardwick has not been contacted quite now, uh, as yet. I've absolutely no doubt that he wants to coach next year. You know, there are people around him who say that, you know, that um, would he benefit from another year out of coaching? He'd be insane not to take up this coaching opportunity. Just absolutely star-studded, um, ready to um, uh, burst, ready to play an inaugural final series. Does he want to do what his great mate in Alistair Clarkson's done and just commit to a 10-year rebuild? Go and take up the opportunity you know, he spoke on the Dylan uh, Friends podcast, you know, a couple of weeks back talking about actually medicinal marijuana. And he says, you know, <laughs> take a mill of it underneath my um, tongue every day. <laughs> and it makes me feel like I'm up on the Gold Coast. I just feel a warmth on my back. He said that. Yeah, he talked about it. Yeah. Wow. Geez, that's been buried. I didn't know he said that. He, <clears throat> yeah. he said he felt like he was on the Gold Coast. Yeah, he talked about, you know, because he's had back pain. I think it was from a motorbiking accident anyway. Put that in the Herald Sun tomorrow. <laughs> but, he just, but, you know, his favorite um, place in the world, a lot of people like the um, – uh, Noosa RSL. I think it's a overrated, by the way. It's okay. one of my hot takes. We'll All discuss right. that in another podcast. He loves the Burley Pavilion. You know, just being up there, again, sun on his back, passing parade, couple of froths. I don't know if he's a Madurian lemonade man like um, uh, like Matty Lloyd or whether he just likes a nice <laughs> cold um, uh, a, a glass of beer. But anyway, three adult kids, um, get back in there, win a fourth flag, or if not, put yourself in the picture. Yeah, there's a bit of travel, but... Just get up there and do it. Two and two can make four. It's the right decision for him. It's the right decision for Gold Coast and Mark Evans. Just consummate that marriage. And in terms of, you know, bringing people with him, do you foresee changes, you know, Andrew McWalter, Dusty, do you, do you feel like he's a potential to drag people with him to the Suns? I think the, um, I think the, the, the stability he provides the club is more important than yeah, dragging okay. people out. So um, Stephen King, former Western Bulldogs assistant, former Cats Premiership um, coach, um, Ruckman, He's going to be the interim coach. You keep him on if he's contracted. Brad Miller's someone who's really highly regarded there as well. They've got elite fitness staff. They've got Reece Shaw, who's the captain of their um, – or the, the head of their development program. So if I'm him, I'm not trying to boot out four of those assistant coaches. I'm just trying to get to work. Yeah, you might bring up a Hardwick or a McWalter if he misses the Richmond position. I just think he gets the salary that Alistair Clarkson could have got with an AFL stipend, call it 200 grand potentially, sell a word a bit there. Um uh, he um, he brings stability to sponsors. They still only average twelve thousand uh, at their ground, and I don't think that you know having spoken to people at the AFL, he he doesn't bring more people in on mm. bums and seats because it's Damien Hardwick. He brings them in because you start winning games of football, and I think the greatest misnomer out of all of this is that oh Stuart Chew had the players and they'll be so ropeable and they won't be able to cope with Dewey moving on. Players move on in a heartbeat. Got Damien Hardwick, these players are so desperate for success. They've all, all signed on because they like Stuart Jew, but because they want to succeed, because they all want to be that team that um, wins finals for the first time. 
And in about one second, they'll go, if it's Damien Hardwick or Chris Scott or Ken Hinckley, if he allows us to win finals uh, in a um, in a quicker uh, route than Stuart Jew, sorry, Jewy, we loved you, <laughs> but this bloke's our man. And so just to wrap this up quickly, Ralphie, so Damien Hardwick is overseas for the next six, seven weeks. Yep. And then you, is it on then or does it start now? Well, I would imagine that, um, and the club hasn't yet contacted Paul Connors, but I'd imagine that's their next port of call in the next couple of days. Um, from then, I'd imagine Paul would say he would be interested in the conversation. So clearly, you know, it might take some time. You've got um, Stephen King there. Uh, so you're not, you know, desperate to hire someone. But I would imagine that Mark Evans would, would want to get a pretty good assurance that, yeah, he's interested. And then whether you have your Zoom conversations, whether by the end of the season they have those, you know, formal ones with Bob East. Bob East, the hero of the press conference, who started the <laughs> mantra group with his hair swept back, just coming back from wherever he was. Bob East. It's a different I need, life up there, isn't it? I need to know a bit more about Bob <laughs> East. So, um, but anyway, I'm, things can change. Things can change dramatically. But at this stage, I think you'd be pretty crazy to, to bet against Damien Hardwick being the coach of the Suns for 2024 onwards. Well, another big day in AFL. Ralphie, thank you. Cheers. Are you ready to get an inside look at crime from someone who has investigated some of Australia's worst crimes? It was like Aladdin's cave. The luminol found bloodied footprints and bloodied handprints on a wall. So it's yeah. just like a horror movie. Former homicide detective Gary Jubilant sits down with cops, crims, addicts, victims, small-time cheats, and big-town lawyers as they tell their incredible stories. My house got raided. Next thing you know, I got bail refused. Next thing you know, I'm on a truck yeah. to Parkley Prison. Listen to I Catch Killers early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're joined by Lauren Wood. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Fantastic to be here again, Will. Now it's 52 days, you tell me, until the AFLW season is set to start, but we have no fixture. There is a, a stalemate between the union and the players. Where are we, sorry, union and the league, where are we at well, that's the question. That's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Where are we at? There, there is no public fixture yeah. is what I would say. There is a fixture that the AFL's developed. Um, it's been distributed to clubs as a sort of provisional uh, setup for, for what the season could look like. So they're set that it'll be 10 games. So they've formulated a fixture as such. And this is what they're haggling over. Basically, yeah. So they're still – the major sticking point at the moment is season length. So yeah. the players want at least 12 games. Yeah plus a sort of vision for growth. Yeah. They want to be fully professional by 2026, whereas Gillan McLaughlin has been resolute in this, that it will stay at 10 for at least this year, maybe even the next couple, and to sort of really consolidate. They're, they're concerned about numbers that they've clearly been getting out there in the last couple of weeks about broadcast and attendances and all the rest of it. So they're clearly voicing their concerns. But I think the interesting thing on this is, like these are concerns that people within the game have had for a few years now. And what, and, and what are these? Yeah. So, I mean, it's around fixturing, it's around scheduling, it's around broadcast numbers, yeah. attendances, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of it sort of roots back to issues, as I say, that, that people have been mm. talking about for a few years now. Um, things like expansion, the competition expanded too quickly, diluted talent, all, you know, all those sort of flow on things. So it's really interesting now that the AFL is citing these figures and, you know, apparently taking them really seriously and looking at the game when people are sort of sitting back in club land going, hang on a minute, like we've actually been telling you this for years. Like, are you only seeing it now? Um, so it's really interesting. A few players, some clubs have opted not to show their players the fixture. Yeah. Um, some players have got it, you know, obviously they've got work commitments that they need to work around. Um, but it's a, it's just a really interesting one where they, they talk about investing in the game and, and wanting it to grow 
but they're almost stifling it themselves at times with this sort of fixturing of, you know, games at five o'clock on a Friday down in Frankston. Mm. Well, who can get there? Icon Park on a Friday night. Like it's, it's just tough for, they market it as a family game, but they're not exactly making it easy for people to attend, but are then using these attendance figures that are waning to sort of you know, use it to their own advantage. As, so it's As a, leverage against the players. Yeah, that, that's exactly. It's an interesting sort of bargaining chip when when you could argue that, you know, well, they're the ones that are setting up this fixture in the first place. And the players in the union are clearly digging their heels in around this 10-game limit. So clearly the AFL want to go forward with 10 games, release the fixture, let's get the season going. But the players, they're steadfast. What could they possibly do next? Well, this is where it's going to get interesting. So they're meeting daily yeah. at, um, I don't think it's are. at AFL House, yeah. but yeah, so the head of the Players Union, Paul Marsh, um, obviously they're, they're negotiating a men's deal too. So yeah. they want this to be a joint CBA. So my understanding is they're meeting every day at this point with a really clear agenda to be stuck to every single day. Um, but they, as I say, they are resolute that they want more than 10. The only problem is, as we say, it's the clock's ticking. We're yeah. 52 days out. So this is essentially the equivalent of, it's week two of the tennis. January, Novak Djokovic is doing his thing down at Melbourne Park and we don't have a men's fixture yeah. to start potentially on the 1st of March. So I don't always like to equate it to the men's, but, you know, that's a, a sort of easy way to put it. Um, so is it a case of The just... clock's ticking. But, oh, I mean, Nathan Burke mentioned the word strike uh, a few weeks ago about yeah. whether that's something that players would consider. There's a little bit of water to go under the bridge yet. Yep. They, they actually legally have to exhaust all avenues yep. of mediation and negotiation and all that sort of thing before it gets to that. Yeah. Um, but I think the fear among some players is that, as I say, the clock's ticking. Yeah. There's 52, you know, are we going to have to cop the 10 this year with, I guess, hope for, for vision and growth of the future? So do you feel like the, ha- the AFL has the strong hand in this, you know, duel between league and players, just given they can just put out a fixture, there is a, there is a starting date and eventually – you know, fans will just want to see some level of football. Well, that's sort of been the suggestion from a few of players that I've spoken to. The question that they've raised is, oh, well, isn't it interesting that the, the negotiation process has dragged on? You know, we heard the Players Association come out a few months ago and say, oh, well, we put a submission to the AFL and we haven't heard from them mm. for weeks, you know. So was it maybe a negotiating tactic all this time potentially yeah. to, to drag this on as long as it could? Um, but as I say, I think a few people um, in clubland – saw it as a little bit cheeky mm. that they formulated this fixture, sent it out. Are they, as you say, trying to sort of uh, push their hand a little bit um, in the negotiations? But as I say, the, the clock's ticking. And I think the frustrating thing for the players is when our eight seasons into this and things are still as uncertain mm. as they've ever been. Like it's just incredibly frustrating for them. They just want to know when they're playing, where they're playing. They've got jobs to tell. They want to plan their lives. They've got interstate trips to factor in. Some players have got kids that they need to, you know, factor into this sort of equation as well. So it says uh, if there's one thing certain about AFLW, it's that it's going to be uncertain. I find it extraordinary. Stunning. Lauren, Lauren, we wait and see what happens from here. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that'll probably do it for today's show. Thanks to our guests, John Ralph and Lauren Wood, with two issues that will no doubt dominate the news cycle over the next few weeks. As always, head to the Herald Sun website for all your latest footy coverage. We have Media Street at 12pm on Wednesday, Mick McGuan 12pm Thursday before all the latest live football across the weekend. And of course, <clears throat> and of course head to the website Sunday 6pm for Mark Robinson's tackle. See you next week. I'm Andrew Rule. 
the host of the podcast, A Life in Crimes. Here are some of the things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. The brutal truth is that when you start looking at it, they always kill or injure a lot more than each other. The professional hitman used to be a professional hitman. Evil strikes in all forms, but particularly as stupidity. Life and Crimes is available wherever you get your podcasts.